launch straight in. The uh, just the last few weeks, I don't know if you found this, but I've been talking to people who have said it's been really, really hard. And it's, it seems to me, I don't know, I haven't done any surveys, but just anecdotally, that the, the last week in particular has been a real tough one for people. And I wonder if that's because we've been in this for quite a while now. And maybe some of the adrenaline that drove us through the initial crisis and the drama of it all has, has sort of worn off a little bit. And we're, we're kind of waking up, having kind of adjusted to a new reality, to the fact that this isn't going to be it's not going to be over anytime soon. And obviously the, the circumstances that we're in, they're putting massive pressure on us, massive stresses on us, uh, pressure on relationships, whether we're trapped in a house with people and we've got no headspace or we're, uh, we're isolating by ourselves and we're unable just to see the people that refresh us. But it can cause us to be quite fractious. Um, it can cause us to respond in different ways, feeling low or feeling frustrated or, or feeling sad or feeling angry. And, uh, and also that the, the situation isn't helped by the fact that there is just this massive amount of uncertainty at the moment about the future. You know, we know it's going to end at some stage, but no one can tell us really when. And I know the government are going to announce kind of a phased um, kind of lifting of the lockdown next week. But I don't think any of us are expecting that to be quick. And then when it does end, what's what's going to be the state of play then? What's going to be going on with the economy? And, um, and we're trying to navigate this new normal. And so really we're thinking of it now, I think, in terms of a, a marathon rather than it being a sprint. And I'm told by people who run marathons that eventually at some point when you're running a marathon, you hit a wall. You hit like um, this point where you have, you have given everything you've got and it feels like all your muscles are emptied of their sugar and, and, they, and you start, I don't know if you've ever seen a video of, or, or watched a race of someone who's who's hit the wall, but they end up wobbling around and they can barely control their muscles. And what they look like, I think the old man's gone again. What they look like externally is what many of us might be feeling right now internally, wobbling around. I've used up all of my reserves. I haven't got anything to get me kind of over to the finish line. And what's weird is with a marathon, you, you know it's... Um, uh, you know, when it's a marathon, you know what the distance is. But with this, we don't know what the what the end is going to be. And so as part of that, and just thinking about, gosh, it seems like so many of us have hit a bit of a wall in the last 10 days or so. Uh, I was just drawn back to the story of Elijah. And really, this is a story in, in the particular bit that um, Ben and Ree just read to us. It's a story of somebody hitting a wall. So he has just had this incredible victory. He's defeated 450 prophets of Baal. He's uh, kind of, you know, God has moved in great power. And then just a short time later, we, we read that he goes out into the, the desert by himself and he sits down under this tree and he just prays that he would die. I mean, that's, a, that's about as a bigger drop as you can get. It, he's just, he's desperate. He's afraid. He's feeling hopeless. And what's weird about it, although it's not that strange when we look at our own lives, is that it's just, just a short time ago, Elijah saw God doing the most amazing things. You know, he's got this history of seeing the faithfulness of God and, and of seeing God do the impossible. And yet he finds himself uh, having run into this wall where he just feels like he's despairing. And I wonder if perhaps for many of us, we could say the same thing. You know, we, we know God is faithful. 
We've seen God do things in our lives that have amazed us. We, we've encountered him in powerful and transformative ways. And yet some of us, we've been finding ourselves, not all of us, but, but definitely a fair number of us have been finding ourselves just in recent days, just feeling full of fear and feeling really low and feeling really sad. And one of the questions I would have is, how do we sustain ourselves over the long term? And what does God give us to help us keep going when we've got quite a way to go? And th there's just a few things from the story that I think can speak into our situation today. One of the things that I love is when Elijah sits under the tree and he prays that he might die, um, God sends an angel to him who works for Deliveroo. And the angel brings him some bread and he brings him some Evian and he sort of says, you know, get up, Elijah, and eat. And then Elijah has a, a great meal. He lies down for another sleep. And then the angel comes again and says, hey, Elijah, the journey is too much for you. You need to get up and eat some more. So he gets up and he eats some more. And so um, what I love about it is the Lord doesn't say to Elijah, hey, get up and sort of like get your act together, Elijah. Get up and toughen up. Come on, Elijah, get up and remember all the faithful things I've done. He just says to him, get up and eat. And I think one of my weaknesses is that I sometimes try and be more spiritual than God. And what I mean by that, I remember reading somewhere that we, we, don't, become more, um, we don't become more spiritual by becoming less human. In other words, God understands how we're made because he made us. And he understands that he made us for rest and he made us to recharge ourselves. And actually, when we look at the story of Jesus, there is somebody under massive strain, you know, massive pressure. And if anyone has an urgent mission, it's Jesus. He has got three years to save the whole world. Talk about pressure. But what we see with Jesus is in his humanity, he, 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 he had barbecues. He took naps. He uh, took time with his friends. He took time out. He, he, he rested. And God, God's... God knows us better than we know ourselves. And one of the things that I think he would say, certainly to me, and I don't think I'm the only one, is taking time to recharge and rest is not opposed to his will. It's part of his will. That's why he instructs his people in the Old Testament to do things like have a Sabbath and take a day off. The first day that the human race are around in Genesis is the Sabbath. It's they made on day six, so the first day is a day off. So that's why he teaches us to do that. That being said, it's hard, isn't it, in the lockdown to, to know how to rest well. And with all the pressure that we're under, <clears throat> it's really difficult. Beth and I, as you know, we're at home with four little boys running around the house. And it's, it's a challenge here to know how to rest. And I'm very aware that even if you're at home without kids running around, it's a challenge. We've got to juggle doing our jobs in a whole different way. We can't see people uh, who would replenish us and give us energy. And so we've got all these things that are kind of draining us. And a lot of the things that we would normally do that would replenish us and refresh us physically and emotionally, we're now unable to do. Um, but we want to pay attention to that. You know, if my iPhone comes up and it tells me 10% battery remaining, that's a signal for me that I need to plug it in and recharge it otherwise. And in the same way, I'm noticing in myself certain signals that are telling me I'm running low on reserves. Um, you know, I'm, I'm oversensitive. I'm too much in my own head. I'm taking myself much too seriously. Those, for me, are little signals. 10% of your battery is remaining. You might want to recharge. And, um, and the, what we could do, as I was, I've just been thinking about this the last few days, 
is we could say, hey, it's, it's hard to rest in the lockdown. And therefore, we just, we just don't even try too much. We assume it's impossible. Or I think a wiser approach for us would be to say, gosh, it's really hard to recharge during these days, isn't it? So we're going to have to be even more intentional about trying to find ways to do that. And um, Beth and I have been using this little tool that we picked up a couple of years ago for quite a while. It's just this idea of having a tank and just kind of thinking through stuff that fills your tank and stuff that drains your tank. And we've been doing it in life, but we actually in the last couple of weeks decided we'd do it for lockdown. This is my highly, you can see I'm very good with technology, my version of a tank, stuff that replenishes me and stuff that drains me. And I've just thought during lockdown life, let's just remind myself what fills me up. I know for me, it's quality time with people that I love, um, whether that's over the phone or it's, or it's just face to face. Being outside replenishes me exercise so I can try and combine the two reading a good book just for fun fills me up chocolate I'm trying to eat my body weight in chocolate before the lockdown is over and I'm almost halfway uh, a tick list just having stuff that I can cross off and say I achieved something today even if it's just a tiny thing makes me replenishes me for some reason that's just how I'm wired what drains me too much zoom can I get an amen hallelujah on that one small quantities I can take too much kills me constantly being torn this is for me personally feeling like oh man when I'm with the kids I should be working when I'm working out I feel like I should be within the kids we're all trapped in the same house um failing to achieve what I set out to achieve at the start of the day which happens virtually every day at the moment admin whether it's a pandemic or not drains me feeling helpless having a lot of people in my life who are struggling and, and not being able to fix them that's one of my wanting to do things and and what we found is even just identifying some of those things has helped us to be intentional the point isn't that we don't want to be drained we want to give and give and serve and love other people but it's about minimizing the unnecessary and maximizing what fills us up what god says to elijah through his angel is hey the journey's too much for you you need to eat you need to replenish yourself so you can keep going that's the first thing he does Second thing that the Lord does uh, is he speaks to Elijah. And that's where Elijah finds himself in Mount, you know, in the cave of Mount Horeb. And there's something about meeting with God, I think, something about hearing his voice, hearing him speak to us that sustains us. Um, I think of it a bit like if you're running a marathon, like if you run the London Marathon or something and you're kind of running about running out of energy and there's the crowd cheering and then you get to the bit of the race where your dad happens to be standing and he's yelling, you know, your name and he's saying, come on, you can do it. I, you know, I know you've got this. Then in the midst of those thousands of voices, just to hear the voice of your dad yell, you know, like speaking to you, encouragement, then that goes into the spirit and it strengthens the soul. And in the same way for us, as we, as we plod on on what feels like a very long endurance test, the voice of our father and hearing his voice, it strengthens us. It encourages us. It comforts us. Jesus, when he's in the wilderness and the devil comes to him to tempt him, he says to him, Jesus says, man does not live, in the same as true of women, on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we do need naps and we do need chocolate and we do live on bread, but it's not bread alone. It's also the voice of our father that sustains us. And I love the exchange between Elijah and God in the cave. I can't talk about all of it now, but, you know, there's that bit where there's the drama of the, the wind and then the earthquake and then the fire. 
And it explicitly says in the scripture that God is not in those things. And then Elijah hears the still small voice, or as one translation puts it, the sound of sheer silence. And he goes out of the cave and he's there um, with his God. And, uh, you know, one of the things I think that's, that's saying to us is that God is found in the spectacular. You know, it's just a short time ago, he was in the fire on Mount Carmel when it came down. So he is found in the spectacular, but he's also found in the quiet and he's also found in the stillness. And actually, if we look at the life of Jesus, there are those moments of extraordinary intimacy he has with God, like the baptism where the spirit of God descends on him like a dove. But often with Jesus, what we see throughout his life is he withdraws to the solitary place or the quiet place to be in stillness with the father. And that's one of the things that would have sustained him um, during all the trials and all the testings that he had to endure. And we can miss it. I know I can miss God's voice because what we're doing often is I know I've, I've had a tendency to look for the spectacular. You know, God will speak to me, but it'll have to be dramatic to get my attention. I'll have to be impressive. You know, he needs to send me an angel to fly through the window or, or something like that. And I wonder if because I've boxed him into speaking impressively, spectacularly, then I've, I've missed his voice so often. I want to say to him, hey, God, speak up. And I reckon one of the things he'd love to say to me in return is, hey, Andy, just quiet down. Because if you still yourself, if you quiet yourself, you'll hear me. I'm already talking. It's just about being still. And again, I've wanted it to be this, this dramatic one-off event. But the way that God speaks to us so often is to sustain us day by day. It's a little bit like the plants in my kitchen, which live next to the tap. I've learned over years that it's not a good idea to every six months take the plant off the windowsill, <laughs> rinse it, and then put it back on. It's a terrible way to grow a plant. What we want to do is we want to drip, drip, drip. And the way the Father sustains us is day by day, little by little. Mike and I were talking just the other day about how he's trying to start his day at the moment without any agenda, just coming to God first thing and just sitting with him and just saying, let's hang out. I've been trying to do something similar, um, set my alarm a little bit earlier than I'd like it to go off. And for me, the only place I can sit in the house is on the stairs. Every other room is taken uh, with somebody sleeping in it. So I sit on the stairs before the kids wake up and I've got as long as it takes before one of them wakes up, which is different day to day. But that for me has become the special place in the house, the third step up. And I sit there with my Bible and sometimes I'm half asleep, but I just in the quiet, just ask him to speak to me. And most of the time, there's absolutely nothing dramatic about it. But I found that that sustains me as I keep going. Five minutes, 10 minutes, close the door, sit in the car on the driveway, whatever you've got to do, but be still and he'll speak to us. Final thing that the Lord does for Elijah to help him to keep going. As it says, Elijah said a number of times, hey, I'm the only one left, God, I'm the only one left. And then the Lord, having met with him in the stillness, then says to him, well, actually there's 7,000 others, Elijah. And, uh, and then specifically what he does is he gives him Elisha. And I, I think the tendency we can have during this time, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but is to isolate ourselves. And you know what? It's possible to cut yourself off from other people if you're living by yourself. It's also possible to cut yourself off from others if you're living with them. 
we can easily hide ourselves away, not share what's really going on because it's hard to be vulnerable with the people that we're living with sometimes. But what happens for Elijah is when he isolates himself, that's when he really, really goes downhill. And one of the things that I've just been thinking about is it's such an encouragement for me to remind myself there are others, you know. Isn't it amazing to be part of a church where we can just watch each other and there's scores of people who've been singing in their own homes so that we can worship together as a family. Or I can drive around the Watford area and, and say to myself, hey, there's 1,200 people who are part of my family in this area. I can't see them right now, but I know they're there. That's an encouragement to me. But it's the Elishas that sustain us. And it's having the one person or the two or three people that we can connect with and we can share with. And one of the things I've been speaking to myself again and again is, Andy, keep talking. Andy, keep listening. Because I've found that I've got emotions that have built up and built up. And I've begun to realize that if I don't talk to people, if I don't discharge it, then it becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger thing to the point where then I can, I can you know, it becomes a bit destructive. Either I turn inward on myself or I lose my temper with somebody and finding those people that I can say I, I can just talk with you about what's happening I don't want to pretend this emotion of sadness isn't going on I don't want to pretend I'm not feeling angry or frustrated I want to talk with you about it but when we do that um, it helps us and uh, it helps us keep going and what, likewise we can be the listeners of others for our friends final thing I'll say God knows what it's like to be human and he knows what it's like to go through really, really tough times. He gets it and he understands. And his desire during this season is to use us to be a blessing to others, but it is also to bless us. He wants to bless us with things that we need. He wants to bless us with himself and he wants to bless us with other people.